We have an exciting partnership to announce before we get into today's Scuttlebutt. Scuttlebutt has been asked to join Reads Across America Radio, a 24-7 internet radio station where you can listen to veteran stories 24-7. Uh, you can find that on the iHeartRadio app. You can also find it on their website, readsacrossamerica.org. The Scuttlebutt will be featured Friday nights at 9 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. If you don't know anything about Reads Across America, they're an incredible organization, all dedicated to honoring veterans uh, and, and those who uh, gave all in service to our country. Check out the Scuttlebutt on their radio station and all the other programs that they have on their 24-7 radio station, again, on iHeartRadio app or readsacrossamerica.org. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Scuttlebutt. I'm your host, Sean Hall, Director of Programming with the Veterans Breakfast Club. We're a nonprofit in Western PA whose mission is to create communities of listening around veterans and their stories to connect, educate, heal, and inspire. You can find out everything going on with the VBC, all the programs we have on offer, by visiting our website, www.veteransbreakfastclub.org. And every once in a while here on The Scuttlebutt, I have on a guest who's also not a veteran, uh, and we end up talking a bit about what their mission is, uh, what they are doing in their life that is connected to veterans in some way. Um, but I thought to have on to this particular episode, Tressa Glover, who is the host of the Pittsburgh podcast, Yins Are Good. She'll describe what Yins Are Good means, why she uses the word Yins if you're not a Pittsburgher and listening in. Um, but I've known Tressa for quite a long time. And for those of you who have listened to the Scuttlebutt for some time, you know that I have a background in acting. Well, Tressa, I met during that time uh, as an actor. Um, during the pandemic, she started this podcast, and we get into why she started it and how many episodes she's in, the mission that she has for it. She actually pulled two veterans from our network, had them on the program, and she also has some, a bit of military family history uh, that we get into. Um, but I thought that this episode was a great sort of part two to last week's conversation with Stu Blackwell, a veteran who I had a really open and honest and poignant conversation with about the military-civilian divide. Him being a veteran, myself not, we both were able to ask each other some pretty honest questions. Um, but I thought that this conversation, which also has thematically um, questions of the military-civilian divide, but between two civilians, we were able to talk a bit more about how we perceive the military, how we are able to talk to veterans. And I think it was a very educational conversation. Tressa is wonderful. I really hope that you enjoy this conversation. And if you do, please check out her podcast, Yins Are Good. Uh, she's doing some great things here in the Western PA Pittsburgh region, um, just highlighting people that are out there doing good mission work, um, people that are passionate about bringing uh, good to our communities. Um, and that's really needed at a time like this. Uh, so uh, please like, share, subscribe, and ring the bell on YouTube so you're the first to know whenever we release new episodes. And make sure that you like, share, subscribe to the Yins Are Good podcast. And you can always reach out to me, Sean, S-H-A-U-N at veteransbreakfastclub.org with any thoughts or questions, uh, or if you have any ideas for future episodes, I'm all ears. And otherwise, thanks for watching and supporting us. Enjoy the show. Tressa Glover, so excited for you to join me here on The Scuttlebutt. You are the host of Yins Are Good. Among with many other things that you have done, you are just sort of a jack of all trades, uh, or would you say a jackie of all trades? I think that we can t coin that term. Yeah? I think I like that. Yeah. You're jackie it. of it all trades. <laughs> Uh, but it's so uh, so exciting to have you here, part of the Scuttlebutt. I'd love for you to introduce yourself. Welcome to the program. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. I it's I'm honored to be here, and it's so nice to see you. I am Tressa Glover. I am the host of a podcast called Yins Are Good, which is based here in Pittsburgh. Uh, for those of you who may not be familiar, Yins is Pittsburgh's version of y'all or yous. So Yins. Uh, but it's basically celebrating all of the good stuff that's going on out there and, you know, having people come on, chat with folks who are doing good stuff in the community, good things for their neighbors, people who are helping people, just the goal being wanting to get the good stuff out there that we don't always hear about. And uh, I also am an actor and theater producer and writer Jackie of all trades. Jackie of all trades. And, and we should you know, so tell our audience, uh, yeah. uh, we should tell our audience that if, if it's the first time you've heard the scuttlebutt, I am a civilian, I'm not a veteran. Uh, and Tressa, you are also not a veteran, a civilian, um, but uh, you come Correct. from a, a, a military family. We're going to dive into that history here in a minute or two. Um, I want to, I want to sort of hit home yins are good right off the hop here because yins are good sort of, it came out of pandemic time when we were all sort of, you know, you know, secluded in our own little bubbles uh, in our houses. 
And and how did this idea come to you? And and you know how have you built uh, built the podcast? Yeah, so <clears throat> I had had the idea a little bit before the pandemic of wanting to do a podcast. Now I listen to podcasts and zero technical skill or knowledge about how to put one together, but uh, it was coming from the idea of as a, so my acting background and and just as an artist background of being a, a storyteller by nature, but feeling that I was needing to connect with people in a different way. Um, and I didn't quite know what that was, but I knew it involved storytelling somehow. It just, but the best way, because to me, I, you know, I feel we're all so much more alike than we realize. And it's by talking to each other and listening to each other that we learn this. And so just thinking about, is there a way to connect? What could we do? something like that. And I had the, the feeling that I wanted to at least start it out as being Pittsburgh centric, my hometown as well. Mm-hmm. So then as the pandemic kicked in, it began to all come together. The idea of this, let's get the good news out there because it is still out there despite mm-hmm. all of the other uh, we just don't hear about it as much, but there is as much good out there. And so it, it it all started coming together in that way. And it's grown. You know, I also ask listeners to share their stories of gratitude. You know, people are grateful for and why acts of kindness that have changed their life, you know, which can be, which can mean just changing their day and making them smile on a day they didn't think they could, but asking people to share those as well. And so folks, you know, I, I share those um, on the show, but then also it turned into now interviewing, but I say it in quotes because it's really just chatting with people, but who are making a difference. It's groups, organizations, it's individuals. You know, mm-hmm. I've had, I had a girl who started in seventh grade, what is now socks with a mission. And now it has grown to um, thousands of pairs of socks that go to homeless people in our Pittsburgh region and now into Ohio. And she started literally mm-hmm. in seventh grade. She wanted to do something. So it's all of that. And it's, so that that's how it all formulated and continues to to grow and evolve because that's important to me too. Kind of, what else can it be, or you know, what else? Yeah. Is there something that you've learned along the way with Yins are Good that you kind of weren't expecting when you first started it? Mm-hmm. The first the first thing I would say is how men meet. So I learned while doing this that Allegheny County which is where Pittsburgh is, for those who may not know, but has more nonprofits than any other county in the country. I didn't even know that. And I, and now the more I do this, the more it makes absolute sense that that's true. And I don't even only talk to nonprofits, right? Like I was Mm -hmm. saying, I'm talking to everybody, right? Anybody who, you know, who's doing good. But that was one of the first things that really struck me. And just how many, and again, so many of them are, are smaller. And that's what I try to focus on too, mm-hmm. perhaps the people you haven't heard of yet. And so that's one of the biggest things. And the, what has struck me the most, and because it's happened several times now, is the, these organizations that have been founded and they have been founded out of trauma or tragedy in somebody's life, in a family's mm-hmm. life. And, you know, they're, they're able to get through that, get themselves through it, get their families through it, and then turn around and grab on to the other people who are going through it and help them along by this organization that, that they have founded, because they know this has happened to me, it has happened or is going to happen to so many other people. Mm-hmm. And I want to provide for them maybe something that wasn't available to me or I know what these people might need during this time. And so I'm here to provide for them and to befriend them and to help them. And that always is just, it's, it's so moving and it's inspirational beyond because it's inspirational enough for, like I say, mm-hmm. it's enough to get through a thing. It's enough to get through whatever you have to get through. And then, at, you know, afterwards or during, you know, making that choice and being in a place where, you can say, well, you know what, what can I do for others that are also there? And so that has just probably been the most, I just feel I'm, I'm so 
grateful to have had these conversations that I've had with people. I, I love that. And and for our listeners, you know, Tressa and I, we have a long history, uh, mostly in the acting world. A lot of the Scuttlebutt listeners who've been with me for quite a long time know of my acting history. And, and I, God, I, the year that you and I were in our first show together was two decades ago. Long no, not we were children. We were I, we were prodigies. We were. <laughs> I love what you're saying about this idea of, of storytelling, but also the the nonprofits and, and the missions that they're on. Because I'll, I'll chime in with sort of VBC, though though you know the organization, the nonprofit that I produced the Scuttlebutt through. Though it wasn't, I think, built through trauma. Veterans who approach and and are a part of the VBC programs, Scuttlebutt included. Um, have found that the platform that that we provide for them to be able to share their stories um, is a way to deal with trauma or being with their friends, other veterans, like-minded individuals. Um, it's a it's a community, and it goes back to sort of our mission of connect, educate, heal, and what you said, inspire. Um, the uh, ability to get people together and have a shared bond. But the nice thing is, is that it's, it's not just veteran to veteran. We invite civilians into this these programs, into this space to hear these stories because it means something for the veterans to be able to share their experiences with civilians uh, so that, you know, they they feel like they are, are, are we want to say bridge military civilian divide, but, but you know, have other people share in their stories, you know, understand them, uh, uh, it, you know, learn from what they've been through. Um, and, you know, uh, so many of you said the, the, these nonprofits come out of the trauma of someone, what somebody experienced. They realize that a mission needs to be uh, developed, that other people are going to need help. Um, but I'm so excited that, that Pittsburgh has so many people that that want to develop mission-based work because it's like, you want to talk about yins are good. So much good comes out of that mission-based work. Oh my gosh. It just keeps going. It's like that ripple effect. It's that mm -hmm. it just keeps going. And it is, and, and to your point too, about community and because that's what it is. It provides a community of, this is not a word, but I'm going to use it and make it one. But, you know, like experienced individual, right? So, you know, when you say, oh, like-minded, but folks who, who are, are, you know, have in common certain experiences, certain whatever, whatever that is, and bringing them together, and they may not, probably would not have met otherwise. Mm -hmm. And just knowing, how, how powerful is it knowing you're not alone? How powerful is it mm -hmm. to hear others and to join with others? And, and regardless of, of whether you're sharing your actual stories that are similar or not, but just knowing that you're in this community of others who can understand you in a way that many others can't. That's, I don't think you can't put a, the, the importance of that, I don't think can be overstated. I just think that it, from mm -hmm. the beginning, you're put in a situation where you're like, okay, <clears throat> these people, we have, we have a bond already. Do you think it's your background in acting that started the passion for storytelling and, and understanding that like in the pandemic time, theater was sort of non-existent. And there, right. that passion was that that sparked the fire. Like, how did that passion for storytelling start for you? Probably genetic, because so I'm Irish Italian. You may have noticed for those of you watching, there's a hand situation going on. <laughs> the, um, so I definitely I, I I literally come from a line of storytellers on both sides, mm -hmm. just in general. So it's funny when you look back, right at when you're younger or growing up and you're and you're like, oh yeah, right. This is how everyone, right? Every oh, everyone grew up with these like, lengthy stories or my Italian side, just music. My grandfather would grab the accordion and there would be sing-alongs and you know, you're like, oh sure, this is everyone. They're like, no, no, this is not every everyone. But so I think first of all, just my upbringing mm -hmm. is is I I think that is a big part of it. And that I was supported and encouraged mm. to, as far as an actor, how lucky I was to be supported and encouraged in that way to pursue that. Uh, so I think, but I, I also think the reason that acting always appealed to me was the psychology of it. You know, when I look back now and think mm -hmm. about it, uh, 
you know, it's because what we do is the why of people, you know, why do people do what they do is, is pretty much what it breaks down to. That's your acting lesson for the day. You're welcome. That's it. That's all you need. <laughs> that's a free but, one. You know, the first one's yeah. free. <laughs> that's right. So, right. That's what it comes down to. And, and I, and so thinking about that, the why, right. Who is this person who, what is, you know, the, what are the relationships with situations to character in? But I'm so much like that in, in my real life. <laughs> I, I'm so curious. I want to, I love meeting new people. I love hearing people's stories and the why and the who <laughs> mm -hmm. of who they are. You know, so I, the older I get when I, I'm like, oh, that's, I think that's why I was drawn to that profession or that part of the art world. Because just, I'm, I, I just, it, it's uh, it, and also I should say too also the history also the past I think it's it's so important not just mm -hmm. with your contemporaries or learning about people but learning about what came before and how important that is and all of those stories so I think that's kind of all wrapped together well I think it's very interesting um because going back to this sort of acting world whenever you're in a show or in a film you know, you're the storyteller. You're researching to figure out what is this character's motivation? What is their history? What is their family situation? What's the era look like? How do they walk? What do they do? That's that curiosity of acting that that makes you, and I've witnessed it, you're an exceptional actress. Um, but the idea of like diving into a, a, a character's story. And my point being is that as you've created Yin's Are Good, coming out of that realm of doing your own research and, and creating a, uh, you know, telling the story yourself and interviewing people for their story. What differences did you find there? Oh my goodness. That's good. That's good, Sean. I, I accept. No, I, <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. I think well, first of all, listening being the key to it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. So in acting, of course, we talk that's also a huge part of acting, which okay, I'm gonna give a second point. Listening and acting is actually the most important part to listen to the other actors. But anyway, um, but I think in this case it is the other person is leading it. The person that I'm speaking to is the person to this point, they're the person telling the story and it's their story. So they start, they start it and then listening to them and gleaning, you know, the, the, the bits out of it. And, Oh, can you please, you know, more about this or, Oh my gosh, what inspired that? But, but they're the ones who are the main storyteller. Mm -hmm. And then I have the the really cool opportunity to ooh, to delve in more. And that's probably where the acting part of it comes in. I'm sure some of the questions that I come up with are based in all the layers that we're used to doing as actors, right? Oh, but why? But oh, why, you're used, why? yeah. You're used to asking <laughs> you know? those, those let's dive into that rabbit hole question. That's, exactly. Instead yeah. of they may, yeah, you know, like someone may say something that is absolutely, yes, it, it has a lot of information there, but the, the layers of why start to come in. Or Boy, how, that, or whatever. I've never been able to put a good point on it, but that's exactly how I feel um, when I get to sit down with a veteran. I get to sit down and I'm in a very, uh, I would say, odd and unique and fortunate position to be able to ask them questions that they probably wouldn't normally sit down with a regular everyday civilian and get to get to answer. I can ask some some pretty in-depth stuff or some very personal things. I always get to say that, hey, I'm a civilian. I get to ask dumb questions because there's, you know, they might say something that I'm like, I have no idea what you just said. So, and they're like, well, yeah, it just, it means quick reaction force. Like, come on, um, you know, but, uh, you know, yeah. but it, you put such a fine point on that, that uh, that curiosity of the sort of the actor side of my head of diving into to people or their characters and saying, why, 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 you know? Um, I love that. Thank you for that. Because I've never been able to like articulate like that feeling of like, well, why is it fun to sit down and ask somebody questions about their motivations or or why they just decided to do something, you know, that 
was life threatening. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, because there always is. There's all. There's always, and and that is that's connected to if we take the time. Mm -hmm. and, and again, talking about in our real lives. <laughs> yeah, but take the time that when you you know when you you're talking to somebody, if you if you really listen, I think it becomes clear that there are more questions that can be asked. They don't, they don't have to be super intrusive or anything, but right. you know, there's always, you can always learn a little more. And then that, that just continues. It just multiplies how much, you know, where that person is coming from and then just your understanding of who that person is. I think this is such a, I hope that people that are listening to Scuttlebutt now, maybe go back one week in our production schedule and look at my interview with Stu Blackwell. I, I, I'm going back to this because I feel like a lot of what you and Tress and I are talking about here today. Um, it's interesting because he was a Marine Corps veteran. And just like I just said, I was able to sit down and ask him some really pointed personal questions. And and he in turn was able to come back to me as a civilian and ask some some pointed personal questions about you know, my beliefs about veterans, which was a really honest and awesome conversation, not one that you would normally get. But it was all back to the idea of mi military civilian divide and how we are listening to each other, how we are communicating with each other. And I, I mentioned this for our Scuttlebutt audience, because um, a, a lot of what I've tried to do throughout the, the, the production of Scuttlebutt is is offer an avenue and be sort of a um, uh, a model of how to, to talk to a veteran. But I feel like the topics that you and I are talking about are right on par with like, if you were to sit down or meet a veteran, what would you want to do? How would you, how would you extend the conversation beyond thank you for your service? And really it would just be like sitting down and listening and just listening, ask a question. And then there might be another question that comes along because if, if they would like to sit down and chat with you a bit, then you'll, you're, human instinct is going to take over your curiosity and you'll be able to open up the conversation more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you had, a, you know, part of your, your, uh, uh, full slate of episodes, you had, uh, reached out to me and had some veterans come on to Yins are good. I did. I and did. It was in the episode, I want to say 74. It was, um, around veterans day of 2022. Um, the fact that you know which numbered episode, because I'm like, oh, we're over a hundred now. So I just, I kind of lost count, but that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> I, yeah, I, and, and we're going to, well, we're coming up on 90. So maybe this might be the end of my being able to do that. I may be, this. but <laughs> yeah. So it was um, Donald Nemchik and yep. Adam Zafu, Donald Vietnam veteran and uh, Adam was Iraq and Afghanistan. Oh, it was, and, you know, talking about their journeys and talking about all they're doing to help again there it is to help others um yeah on there it's two very different experiences our scuttlebutt audience i keep referring to them but they know both of those they've done them check he has joined me for several episodes adam's a photo a very famous scuttlebutt episode where he sort of he broke down his feelings on the fall of kabul and the end of the afghan war um we had a very honest and open conversation about that um, was there something about having them both on and chatting with them about their experiences that sort of opened up your your mind a bit to what the military is? I, I want to go into your military family history here in a minute, but uh, was there something that you weren't expecting whenever you talked with them? Hmm. I think with Don, um, it, it was the first real in-depth conversation I've gotten to have with a Vietnam veteran. Mm -hmm. And I've heard, I've heard about what that time, I wasn't alive during that time, but I've heard about what that time period was like, what it was like for the veterans, Coming especially home. when they came back. Yep. Oh, you know, and I've heard, I was familiar in a way that I could be, but it was the first really in-depth conversation that I got to have. And so hearing it from a veteran and also hearing his story about his roots and where he came from. And because in his neighborhood, you were expected, like you were going to go, you were going to go fight. You weren't going to not go yeah. regardless of how the, how, you know, the, the emotions of the politics of it, you were expected to go. So 
overall with him, it was powerful to hear again, right, from a person who had served and then coming back and what and what that was like, the effect it had on him. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, hearing how he has, you know, decided to and, and chosen to help others and how and and across the generations too, how important mm-hmm. it is, as he was saying, you know, that we have to keep talking to each other. You know, we have to keep hearing each other's stories and we have to keep, you know, those lines open. So that's really with, with Don, what struck me. And with Adam, it was funny. We discovered we both went to Hampton High School. Wow. I'm older than Adam, but <laughs> at the same time, I'm like, of course I am. No, but um, we discovered that. <laughs> that was a cool little connection. He's like, Hampton. So, and I, and his wife was on as well. So they were both on. Mm-hmm. And so that was interesting too, because I, because we talked about, and, and I guess two words speaking about civilian and military. So in that same you know conversation, and so having both of them and that perspective, and and he spoke uh, a little about Kabul, about the mm. fall of Kabul, as as you were referring to, and as your listeners know how much how deeply affected he was by that, and that to me was one of the main uh, main things that stood out because I hadn't thought about that. I hadn't thought about his exact position that he was in spending all that time rebuilding doing all of that and then hearing about that's what you know that that was just a perspective that I hadn't thought about about the service people who were over there and all they did and and their mind and and so for them going through what is happening to those to those people completely how devastating how devastating I just hadn't thought about that and it's not, and myself as a civilian, I've talked about this on the podcast a lot of times, and, and especially last week with, with Stu Blackwell, just the idea of like, we all experienced 9-11 in our own way, how we experienced it, what we watched, all that stuff. And then like, we live in an era of the all-volunteer force. So I remember being young at that time, and honestly being afraid of like, I, I, I don't want to go and be shot at, like, I, I don't want to do that you know and though i kept up with the war over the those 20 years that we were there in some ways there were definitely times where it was just like it was happening and it was sort of in the background of my life and you know but it wasn't until the last three years that i got to sit down with veterans especially like like you were able to do with a vietnam veteran and an afghan war veteran afghanistan war veteran the mirror of the fall of saigon and the fall of kabul Mm. and sort of like a lot of the vietnam vets in our network were like how is this happening again? And then the yeah. Afghanistan war veterans are saying like, what is going on? Like we just had blood, sweat and tears in this conflict. And suddenly it's like all falling apart around us. And you're right. Like I, I, I wouldn't have thought of that had I not been in a room of Vietnam veterans and hearing their, their pain, hearing their stories, hearing the, what they felt, what they thought about what was going on. Um, and it's, and thankfully you and I are both in a position where we've been able to sit down with them with veterans and and hear some of this because whatever that is whatever lesson we were able to glean from that helps that divide helps helps us understand a bit of what what they're going through and thankfully we we had two veterans join you and the veterans in our network join join us that are open to having that conversation with us that how lucky are we to sit down and say you know they came back from vietnam they didn't talk about it a lot of guys came back threw their uniform in the trash and went out into life because they were told don't wear it outside of the airport don't even wear it off the plane you know and then they didn't talk about it for 30 years um but to be in a a time where veterans will come back and and be willing to chat with us just helps to open up that conversation it helps to start that conversation beyond again thank you for your service it's nice to sit down and say well where did you serve when did you serve why did you enlist? All of those sort of easy questions that, like you said, will open up those rabbit holes. Yeah. Yeah. You, you military family was, I mean, we say military family, but it was your grandfather who served, correct? Correct. Paternal or correct. maternal? Uh, paternal. And so, he was World War II? 
World, World War II. Yeah. Thomas Glover. And he just passed away four years ago. He was 96. Wow. And yes. So he was in the Navy. And talk, and, and talk about being grateful for. He did talk about the war. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as which stories, we didn't hear any of the traumatic one. We meaning the grandchildren. There are right. many of us. Um, and I don't even think with his kids, like I don't think necessarily my dad and his his siblings heard too many of those, but he talked about so much of it. He had his flight log. So oh, was he a pilot? He was a radio man in the uh, he was in a okay. CBY. CBY? Uh, and he was a radio man in the South Pacific. And yeah, he had his flight log. He went to all of his reunions through his mid to late eighties and they were all, you know, squadron. They were still getting together and getting those. And he talked so much. Oh, photos. My dad has one of his photo albums. I mean, a thick one with pictures with them on the sleeping on the wings of their plane. And I mean, in the, you know, and okay. So what I did, I did South Pacific in high school, the musical, I played bloody Mary character actor. That's me. (laughs) Okay. But he gave me, he had a grass skirt that he, when he was in South Pacific during World War II, he had gotten one and had it all this time. And he gave it to me and I still have it. An actual grass skirt. But uh, was he drafted or did he enlist? So he had it. He was um, had a desk job with the Navy and he went to them and asked to fight because he wanted to fight. And both of his his brothers, he and both of his brothers were all fighting World War Two and they all came home. Wow. Which is stunning. Yeah. He was a Navy. One brother was a Marine and one was in the Army. Were they all uh, Pacific Theater? Yes. Oh, and there's a great story that was in the Pittsburgh press in 1945. And I actually, I think in the same episode that Don and Adam were in, I think is when I shared it because I found the article uh, that they were all, there was a a typhoon. So my one, his one brother was on the USS Pittsburgh and they were all in the same region and a typhoon, I guess, kept them all relative very like close enough to each other and one of them one of my uncles realized it and so went to his commanding officer I hope I'm using the right term but went and said oh my brother both of my brothers you know one's on this one the USS Pittsburgh and my grandfather was on a um, aircraft carrier and so my two like their commanding officer was like here and threw him his keys to his jeep and let him and a couple of his buddies drive the jeep to the water so that on the USS Pittsburgh, they sent a raft or whatever out to him so he could get on and be reunited with his brother. I had chills because they hadn't seen each other in over a year and they were all fighting. Mm-hmm. So they got to spend the evening on the USS Pittsburgh and my grandfather couldn't get off of his carrier, but they were across from each other and were waving and waving and they could all see each other. Oh, that's And great. they had this wonderful, this wonderful reunion. And I just, uh, loved that story and so i found they you know the pittsburgh press got a hold of that and uh wrote about it and interviewed their mother at the time and boy i think about that all three of your sons and the youngest one on his 19th birthday yeah he went when he was 18 and i think it was when he was on 19 was one of the i'm trying to remember because it's my great uncle but it was one of the big battles it was on his 19th birthday that he went into it wow but all three of them made it home. But yeah, my grandfather had, because of a skill that he had, he he was at a desk and he would have stayed there. And he went and he said, no, I want to fight. Mm-hmm. What a different, well, I, I want to say what a different mindset in World War II of just like, you know, but certainly during the last 20 years, there have been guys who were not frontline or not, you know, uh, you know, inside the wire, at least on on base or deployed, it probably requested to be, they wanted to be out there. Um, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. uh so he came home and he he talked with the family about it. It wasn't military wasn't something that was uh mysterious in your household. No. He was 
so open. And like I said, with pictures, with, and that's what I mean, like just these stories that, oh, they, they kept. Okay. So between the time when he said, I want to go fight and then training. So he ended up in Florida, my grandmother, and he had met my grandmother and they wanted to get married before he went over. So she and her mother met, went down to his base in Florida, Pensacola. That makes sense. I think. Yeah. And that, that she was the witness and they got married and he left a few months later, but she was pregnant with my uncle by the time he left. Mm. So it, it was about two years. I think my uncle was about two before when my, my grandfather um, made his way home and met him. But so that, so even Wait, so that she story, was she was pregnant when he left and then he, pregnant when he left and the, oh man so uncle tommy mm -hmm. um was already a toddler yeah so even that like we always knew we knew that story like you know we knew the the genesis of that they wrote love letters back and forth and they kept them in a big shoebox. and um when my grandmother died pap pap we called him you know he said oh, yeah you know you can look because he had them and of course the heavy redactions right that you see but they kept all of those and, but yeah, so even, you know, we, we were aware of that. We were aware of, I remember the first time I visited an aircraft carrier in, I want to say North Carolina years ago, I called Papap to be like, oh, I just went through, I don't understand how you lived on this. Like, right mm -hmm. here I am, like, I don't understand. And he yeah. was laughing, but then he started telling me more. Like it was, cause I knew I wanted to call him and talk to him about it and I could, and yeah. he was happy to share all of that. And he talked about, he became a boxer. So he would. Oh, boxing was so huge. Oh, it still kind huge... of is, but way yeah. back in that time, it was like, yo, we're not got nothing to do. Everybody would get together yeah. and they'd box. <laughs> it's like, so we boxed. And, you know, at Thanksgivings when we would have, because we have, so my dad was one of six. So there were a lot of us. And when we would all get together for Thanksgiving, we'd be making the mashed potatoes. He always was the supervisor of peeling the mashed the potatoes because he also, for a time, was in the kitchen, was working in the, nope, it's not called a kitchen, the galley. Yep. Uh, I think, I think, I, I'll say I, I think, think yeah. and I'm probably going to get an email. They're going to be like, nope, okay. you're wrong, both wrong. <laughs> and <laughs> it's so wrong. funny because the Navy, it's called one thing, the Army called another thing, chow yeah. hall, you know, it's like. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm going to go with galley and my apologies to if I'm uh, wrong. But peeling the potatoes and oh my goodness. And, but in a very fun way, like he he was such a, here's the other thing. Um gentle now again and my dad and his siblings would say right you're different with your grandkids than you are with your kids but he really was he was this gentle um believe it or not he didn't talk that much he's a little mm -hmm. quieter but good man and had relationships with all of us grandkids kids he was just and and funny you know so as we're doing the potatoes he would just stand there like oh and he'd be like you missed a spot <laughs> of course we're like you're the literal like you know you know more than mm -hmm. we do so it, it, it even in I, I bring those up because even in those kinds of ways you know it was infused it, it was just infused in everyday life even let alone when he would share or talk about sleeping like I said on the wings of their plane um which you know baffling to me and in some of the photos even that he would share with us you could see um in the hills behind them, the Japanese behind them, behind them. I mean, you can see them in the photos, but he, he was open and, and sharing all of that and how his was this, his squadron secured Tokyo Bay for the signing, mm -hmm. of the surrender there. And they are the ones who flew home the the infamous, uh, or the famous Iwo Jima picture when they're with the flag. Yeah. They're the ones who had that film. Wow. And the ones. So just in, in those ways. And oh, Morse code. Until the day he died, he remembered Morse code and every and every once in a while would do it. He would just be like, do 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 he would spell things in Morse code. I mean, there were always so so that to me is is part of what I'm so grateful for because like I said, it was infused. Mm -hmm. In even like simple, small ways, in addition to just his being open and, and sharing about um, his time 
and and even that when he you know and and, and that alone like we were talking about but the fact that he said no no, no i want i want to go fight because he could have just stayed how many years working. was he in so he went in early i think altogether a year and a half that he was he was deployed he for a year and a half yes deployed so he might have been just, in for three to four years like in the yeah name. would be my guess Mm-hmm. That'd be my guess to putting it all together. And it obviously had a large effect on him as a as a person. That yeah. And we, we find that so much at, at BBC that I you know, their their time in service is such a small fraction of their entire life, but it makes up such a large portion of who they are. Mm. Did you find that there were things that, other than the peeling of potatoes, were there, were there things that he did militarily, you know? Did he line up all the grandkids and it was like, okay, this is, uh, this is how we're going to do things? Or was was he, I want to say no. militant, because you could be militant, but it was like, <laughs> you know, there are a lot of yeah. guys, that, you know, in our network that'll be like, yeah, the kids have to uh, square off the sheets. Like, that's what they do. <laughs> no, never with us. And I... I don't ever remember my dad or his siblings talking about that either. Mm-hmm. So maybe he, I mean, there there was definitely, and my dad, and he would say this if he were sitting here with me, he liked to get into trouble. Okay. But you know, he was, you know, whatever in middle school, high school, right. He was doing kind of, but he, he would always say, you know, or one time that, he, that Pep Pep had said to him, it was something at school and he came home and he said, don't you want to hear my side? And Pep said, you don't have a side. If the school calls and you did something, that's it. There was that sense of, and that could also be, that could be a few, but that sense of, nope, the pe- people in charge said that you did this thing. That's it. There is it. Yeah. You don't have a side. Right. There, so I think in those ways, those kind of things came out, made their way through. And it's, I love, you know, to your point too, though, of, um percentage wise how many years of their lives are spent versus i always mm, would think about this especially with him because of what a wonderful father and grandfather he was and husband i should say this my grandparents every night before they went to bed recited the same poem to each other they each like split it in half and they had it someone had shaded or whatever and it hung above their bed wow. these two yeah they were yeah so you know he's the real dude this is and and so i often would think like but he fought in a war like it, you know and i always even at a younger age as a civilian was you know trying to reconcile those things or wondering you know it's i can't imagine what he experienced what he saw mm-hmm. what that day-to-day is the day-to-day of that, the hour, the minute-to-minute of it. And coming back, and in his case, back to your wife and your child who you're meeting for the first time, and back to, he works at the railroad, if, um, but back to your, you know, yep. job. <laughs> in the, And I, to me, that's, of course, is, is something that I, I, can't understand no and 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 i never even attempt to try to understand that i just sort of say like wow the sacrifice that you had to make is so extreme um certainly especially with you know the fact that i have a, a three-year-old and a four-month-old mm-hmm. and if i had to leave and say i'm going to leave and i may come back i might not um you know and when I see you again, you're going to be two years older and you're not going to know who, who I am. Like that, that to me is just mind blowing. Can't wrap my head around that idea. And and we've had on guests before, spouses before we talked about the other side of that coin of your husband is leaving and they're mm-hmm. going to go fight for the country. And you just had a kid. What is going through your mind? How are you know your sacrifice? Like you're sacrificing that family, that time, that you know, all of it. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 you know, you think about your grandmother. Like it is not easy 
to raise a kid and let alone, uh, you know, on, on your own, you know, with the, the idea of like, is he going to come back or not? That's exactly and that, like you're saying, that other side of it being on the other side. And, and of course you, did she ever talk about it? Sorry to interrupt. Um, not too much. She didn't avoid it. Right. But I think I would have, so she died when I was, I want to say 23 or 24. Mm -hmm. And I think if we would have had a little more time, I would have asked her some of the questions that you and I talked about now, like, you know, a little, as I would have gotten a little older mm -hmm. and could have, you know, I, I, so I, and I think she would have, but she did talk about the, I mean, I knew you know, that they were writing back and forth and, but I think part of it could have been because my age, cause maybe I was, you know, younger and I didn't have children at that rate. And, and maybe parts of it that just, I wouldn't have thought to specifically ask about, even though I always, I always thought about that. I know that she lived with her mother during that time. Which, you know, and she was 20. That's the other thing, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Remembering how young every they all every, they all were. Oh, oh completely. She was extremely it's, young. And yeah. and, and I, I say this for the Yins are good audience. If you're if you're chiming in, you're like hearing about the scuttlebutt for the first time, go back and look at our episode with the veteran spouse project. And it's my conversation with both of these incredible women. Um that opened my eyes more to the idea that yes, we always want to talk to the veteran. We always want to like ask them questions, but their service also extends to their family. So talking with their spouse uh, about what their experience, what their sacrifices are, how it was whenever, you know, he or she was deployed, uh, it, they, they have a story to tell as well. And that's why I was very interested to see, because even back at that time, it was, <clears throat> it was a very different nation back in World War II. You know, everybody knew somebody that was serving if, if you didn't have a family member or 10 family members serving, you know, right. it was a lot right. more, a lot more common. Um, but we, we don't ever think, uh, I especially, you know, I'm guilty of this as a civilian. I don't ever think of asking the family of the veteran what they were going through. Mm -hmm. Cause I would, I would think about, and I never asked Nana, Mary Jane, that's her name, but I never asked Nana because I, cause this, I knew, I know was in my head at the time because it because it sounds so morbid or at least that's how I that's what I describe it as but especially when you're pregnant and then you have the child and back in that day when how you know the news not being anywhere near what news is now coverage mm -hmm. is now and the and talking about minute to minute and hour to hour but not knowing if you're going to hear that knock on the door mm-hmm and how do you not live in that place all the time? And I would think, I mean, like with other, with there, there are unfortunately many situations that people can find themselves in, right? That you're living minute to minute like that. And you can't survive if you're constantly thinking about it, right? Mm -hmm. And especially if you have a baby, then this is, right? This is your life changes forever anyway. And so this is now what you're, um, this is what you get to focus on and what you get to, but that I know as a younger, and I don't know what that means, but especially like in my teens, when I started to think about it that way, about her mm -hmm. being, and, and just thinking about, you know, about that. Amy and Leah and I, the, the veteran spouse project were chatting sort of about that idea. And I think it was more along the lines of like, <clears throat> there's, you got to keep the house moving forward. And yes, it's always on your mind. Um, but you have this community that you are a part of, and especially the the spouses nowadays, where normally they're living in like a military community and mm. they end up sort of relying on each other for support. Um, <clears throat> you know, it, it, it staves off, I think the minute to minute idea of like, okay, they're gone and I'm not going to see them for eight months or longer. And, you know, you have to have to deal with the, the every day of living yeah and that's a and, lot 
and I, and it's interesting because when I think about we think about that community for my grandmother living at her mom's that community for her so here's something that Nana talked about a little bit but her mother when uh so we're talking the late no we're talking the 1920s when her mother became a nurse um was married started to have kids her her parents lived with them also her husband died when he was 27 suddenly Mm. of a heart attack she had lost their youngest baby two weeks earlier so my grandmother's mother lost an infant and her husband in a two-week span and she wasn't even i mean she might have been 26 at that time i don't know 25 or 26 so she was a nurse and she had three kids and her parents living with them and she took care of everybody I feel and like I all wish- of us nowadays would just crumble. I mean, right? Like when you keep adding that on, like you just, you can't. And so, so that's the house my grandmother grew up in. Mm. So then, right, you fast forward a little bit and this is now here she is and her husband's divorced. She has this baby and she's staying with that woman now, her mother, <laughs> you know? And then, so I, when you think about it in a different way, that community she was in, was pro- was in that same way that even though it was different circumstances that her mother had gone through, as far as an environment for her to be in, it was like, here's how you move forward. Strength. Here's what you do. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can't survive something like that, that level of tragedy without being strong or it making you stronger. Right. Right. Yeah, I wish I wish I would have known my great-grandmother to get to talk to her. But yeah, she was a strong lady. Uh, did it help in having that sort of history in your family and sort of that military was something that could be a part of the, the dinner conversation? Did it help with when you sat down with Dawn and, and Adam? Do you find it easy to chat with them? Or, or were you a bit... Uh, I want to say tepid. Is that the right word? I yeah. I felt comfortable. I think it did. I think growing up with that back with that history absolutely helped me. Mm-hmm. And I always knew. I think even when I was in high school, because I interviewed Pat Pat for a project for my history class, mm. uh, and you know the videotape. I'm putting it in quotes because it was probably a VHS. I don't even know what we were using back then. <laughs> but um kind of on but i rem- and i remember knowing then even that's when i started to realize how special it was that i grew up with him and with him sharing his stories about it mm-hmm. cuz not all of my friends not had that and and then as i got older appreciating it in, in an additional way what that did for me as a person knowing about the past, having a connection to it, but the gratitude and uh, perspective. Mm-hmm. And so it, all, yep. what I grew up with, that I, I'm, I'm just so lucky to, to have grown up with all that. This has been awesome. It's real cool to hear about, you know, that's why partially I just like hearing from anybody who has had someone who served in their their family because you just you get to you get to hear the stories as they were told to them sitting around the campfire yeah. you know sort of just <laughs> you know hearing it from your parents or if you know now that we've sort of opened a box maybe you you know you might be able to go to some family members and say hey did um what did you call your grandma nana nana did nana ever talk about what she went through during the war you know just opening right. up these sort of rabbit holes of like curiosity to see if like, you know, there's further stories to be, to be had or told. You know, and it's, it's so interesting you say that because after the, the episode I did with Don and Adam, and I shared the, the article in the, in the Pittsburgh press, one of my cousins who listen, he's uh, outside of Philly, but always listens to the show. And he texted and was like, do you have a copy of that article? Oh my gosh. 
I didn't know. And so even within us, yep. and here I am, I think, thinking, oh, I'm, I didn't think that, uh, you know, maybe if, if other cousins didn't know about it or whatever. But it was. So even that. Uh, and there was one quick story because I didn't. Papa must have been 90. He had to be in his 90s when he told me this because I remember mm. saying, where has this story been? And he laughed. And I was like, okay. So when he finally was coming home um, into San Francisco, right? Taking a yep. ship into San Francisco. There was a huge storm. Do we say hurricane? I don't know what it's on that side. Wow, this, I am not a geography person, but you know what I mean? <laughs> a storm. I think they're all, I didn't know if it's like Atlantic versus Pacific. Anywho, that kind of storm. Yeah, level. As Yeah, as they're making their way to the point where they all had, they were preparing to jump ship, to abandon ship. So you have all of these service people who just made it through the war. Mm-hmm on their way home and they're literally donning the life vests life jackets and he said they were minutes away from abandoning ship when whatever it was able to be righted it was able to be and they were able to sail through it and and so of course my jaw is like okay and yeah. then he's saying but we get to san francisco and then they took a train to new york and then hitchhiked to pittsburgh he and a buddy yeah and he got home earlier than expected. And it was late at night. And he went up to the house. And I always picture, like, here comes Tommy, right? He's oh, he's up there knocking on the door. And no one's answering. And yeah. no one's answering. And he looks across the street. And the neighbor's house light is on. So he goes across the street. And they answer the door. And he's like, hi. <laughs> Can you let Mary Jane? Can you let them know to let me in? <laughs> and then they called over. And then, oh, my God. Tommy's here. Oh wow! But I had met we had my. I don't think my dad. I don't think any of them knew that story. It just never had come up. <laughs> you know, and, just, and the funny thing there is, most of those guys on that ship, you've heard like some guys that are in the navy don't know how to swim. So I'm wondering how many of the guys on the ship were just like, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> like you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. He said, "Oh, the vests were on," and I'm looking at him like, "What are you?" Okay. Terrifying. Just, yeah. Yeah. And these are all, yeah, these are, this is what it is. It's just getting together to hear some of these, these incredible stories. Um, yeah. Tressa, I want to, I want to end with a couple minutes here of just some fun. Uh, because we're both Pittsburghers hey. and because uh, your podcast is called Yins, Yins are good. Yins are all and, good. Yeah. Right, well, yeah. And if anybody's listening from outside of Pittsburgh, you may have heard of Pittsburghese, may have heard of, the, the ways that we speak over here in Western PA. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. So, and because it, again, yins being like y'all from down South, um, uh, yins is sort of how we say, hey, yins guys going down to the uh, Stellar game. Uh, and that's a little bit of it. I would say it's like throw a bunch of marbles in your mouth and try to talk. Uh, and that's real good, yeah. Yeah, it's real good. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to say a couple um, Pittsburghese terms and you have to tell me what they are. <laughs> Translator. This is a. We'll start off. Uh, this is a phrase. Jeet jet. Oh. Did you eat yet? So if I'm going to say, "Did you eat yet?" in Pittsburghese, yeah. I'd be like, "Hey, jeet jet." Jeet jet. It's like two words with a J starting both of them. Jeet jet. Mm -hmm. We like to condense. You know, just. Yep. Don't take so much time with all the syllables. Pull it all together. And it's like Permanis. If you've never been to Pittsburgh or you've heard of Permanis, it's this restaurant here in Pittsburgh during the, the steel mill era. You had a, you had very limited time to go on break. So you'd get down to Permanis. And instead of getting your sandwich and your coleslaw and your fries all on the plate, Permanis just threw it all together. So if you ever want a Pittsburgh sandwich, go to Permanis and you're going to get all of it, coleslaw, fries, everything on the sandwich. So yeah. that's just like Jeet Jet. Like everything's mm -hmm. right there. Uh, an mm -hmm. easy one. And my grandmother was famous for this. An at. Oh, an at. So uh, I was trying to think of to use it in a sentence, but it, it just means and other things. So yeah, I'm trying to think like, but also it, you don't always have a specific thing you're talking about. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. Like if you're going to say, are you going to go to the gym? You could say, are you going to go to gym and at? Mm -hmm. Even though there's really no in that and other thing, 
Right. But you can throw it on there. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes that's, that's the beauty of it is that it can be used if there might be other things happening or not. And my grandmother, just, I, should, yeah. I say grandmother, but my, my, I mean my great grandmother. She was famous for the double Annette. I know. I know. She would say, Hey, are you going down a grocery store, Annette? Annette? <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. We can do an episode breaking that down. That. Oh, Annette, Annette. that's another level. I know. Annette, Annette. She, I mean, I clear as a bell as a little kid remembering her being like, you know, talking. And she lived on a farm. So she'd be like, Yeah, go down and feed a horse, Annette, Annette. <laughs> it was okay. a way to condense all of her things that she did in the in the farm into like, I did that and then a whole bunch of other stuff and that. And then a whole bunch of other ads. Yep. Can we bring this back? You, well, you can add as much as you want, really. Let's do, let's double the double in that. I think. Well, I think once you hit 100 episodes of Yins Are Good, it should be Yins Are Good in that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Done. I mean, that's pretty much rebranding. Got it. <laughs> I got it. Uh, a buggy. What's a buggy? Oh. It's like what you use at the grocery store, like the cart, a grocery cart. That's right. That's uh, what I didn't realize was a Pittsburgh thing till I didn't live in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, yeah, I, yeah, I got the buggy. The what? That. The buggy. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Creek. Mm-hmm. Oh, a creek. A, body, mm-hmm. a small body of water that trickles behind. Right. The creek. Perhaps. Why are we calling it a creek? Thank you. Famous also is about an hour and a half, two hours north of Pittsburgh is the uh, Lake Pimatuning. But whenever I grew up and I didn't know where Pimatuning was, I didn't know where it was because my grandmother always called it Pimatumi. So imagine (laughs) Googling Pimatumi and being like, where's Pimatumi? I've always got, I went there as a kid for years. Pimatumi, where's Pimatumi? Finding out that it was called Pimatuning. Well, yeah, that'll do it. Yep. Get that though, yeah. And we'll we'll finish up with one of my favorites that drives my wife crazy. Sweeper. I'm gonna sweep the floor. Okay, legit. I thought this was a more universal term. Mm-hmm. This would be a vacuum cleaner. That's right. A sweeper. Because also because you say, do you want to sweep? Like if you're referring to a broom, you say sweep. So it's not that far off that you would say sweeper. Right. For an instrument that works on your carpets. So my kids came back from the creek and they drug a whole bunch of dirt through the house. So I had to pull out the sweeper and I sweep the floors in that. G jet, G jet. <laughs> this poorly, G jet, G jet. Oh, let's all implement at least one of these in our day to day. Help bridge the Pittsburgh country divide. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, I love it, Tressa. It's been uh, a wonderful time here with you today. I I will add links to Yins Are Good, as well as I hope that you share with us the Pittsburgh Press article. I'm sure our veterans would love to see that that old article from the Pittsburgh Press. We'll make sure to add that to the description. Yeah, um, thank you. Yeah, and I love this collaboration with Yins Are Good. I'd love to come over onto your platform, chat a bit about VBC, maybe bring yes, a, a friend of mine uh, over over to that side. Uh, you're doing wonderful work here in Pittsburgh and, and helping to bring all of these stories to the forefront. So I want to thank you for that. Oh my gosh, thank you. Thank you for this. I mean, honestly, we, I could talk another hour at least with you. Um, but they, just thank you. And thank you for all of this, for having me on. And, and yes, please come on over whenever. That would be excellent. To our audience, like, share, subscribe. Ring the bell on YouTube so you're the first to know whenever we release new episodes. And make sure if you like, share, and subscribe to Yin's are good. If you'd like to reach out to me, Sean, S-H-A-U-N at veteransbreakfastclub.org. And if you have something good going on here in Pittsburgh and you're listening in and you would love to, you know, put that in Tressa's ear, Tressa, how can someone get in touch with you? How can they support your podcast? Thank you. They can email us at yinsaregood at gmail.com. And it's all spelled out, yinsaregood. And we have a website also, yinsaregood.com. Uh, that explains more. And I have links to all of the folks who've been on the show, any links to the work they're doing. It goes right to their website. So you can learn more if you want to volunteer, help them out, whatever. So it's all there too. Fantastic. Uh, Well, thank you again for coming on to the Scuttlebutt. Let's have you on again uh, to chat more. Um, If you're interested in a military story or a veteran that you would like to interview, please come on the podcast, bring them on, and we'll sit down and have a, a nice conversation. Awesome. Would love it. 
Love it. Thank you. Thank you for watching this episode of The Scuttlebutt. I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Tobacco Free Adagio Health. Uh, Tobacco Free Adagio Health has been supporting the podcast for quite some time now. We've been so pleased to be uh, supported by them. They are dedicated to reducing and preventing tobacco use and getting the word out about the hazards of smoking and secondhand smoke. They're all about health, so they want people to quit. Uh, they have classes, nicotine replacement therapy, and a popular quit line, 1-800-QUIT-NOW. They also educate people, children especially, about tobacco use from cigarettes, cigars, pipes, chew, snuff, and other nicotine products like vaping. And finally, Tobacco Free Adagio Health advocates for public and private policies that ensure healthy places to live, work, and play. You can learn all about what Tobacco Free Adagio Health offers at tobaccofree.adagiohealth.org. Or you can check out the two Scuttlebutt episodes that featured Tobacco Free Adagio Health. We had a wonderful representative come on to the podcast, talk to us about all the classes and therapies that they offer. Uh, it was one, two wonderful conversations. So I definitely direct you to both of those if you want more information or just call their free quit line 1-800-QUIT-NOW. Thank you again, Tobacco Free Adagio Health for your support.